Hi, Time Hackers. I'm honored to welcome on our show today, Ken LaRoe, an award-winning sustainability professional and eco-entrepreneur. Ken has dedicated his life to environmental activism uh, and building businesses, and he actively works to address the existential threat to humanity, the climate crisis. As an internationally recognized leader in the field of ethical banking, LaRoe is inspiring other industry leaders to change how they run their businesses to leave a more positive footprint. He started and sold two incredible banks onto his third and arguably most important. In full disclosure, I've invested a small amount in Climate First Bank. I'm a huge believer in what he and the organization are doing. Ken, thank you for agreeing to join the show today and share share your point of view uh, with our audience. Thank you so much for having me. It, it, it really is a pleasure. I'd be glad to share anything I can. So, Ken, I've read about some of your introductions and... I see that you've just sometimes described yourself as a rabid environmentalist who is also a rabid capitalist. What do you mean by that? Well, it, the epiphany came to me when I was I was given a talk. I don't remember what the forum was, but introduced myself as a rabid environmentalist, and about half the people in the room, you know, started shooting me birds and were frowning and everything else. And I thought, oh boy, well I just lost half the audience. And it occurred to me in that split second that I was also a rabid capitalist and and the two of them have to go hand in hand, especially in in a capitalist democracy that we live in. So they had nothing to fear from you. <laughs> Excellent way to put it. <laughs> I'd love if you could tell us about yourself and your background, how you even got into banking, and maybe a little bit more about that epiphany of how you're able to combine the sustainability movement with the financial sector? Well, banking was actually quite by accident. I uh, I grew up in Eustis, Florida, uh, where I was born and, and still live, actually. And my, my dad was born there and my wife was born there. Her dad was born there. And I went to Florida State undergrad and I really, I had grown up in and around the family machine shop and I really wanted to go into manufacturing, but couldn't find any any jobs when I graduated from undergrad. And then I saw a a job posting for a management associate position for a bank in Tavares. So I went and interviewed and got the job. So that was the, the beginning of the long, long, long story. And I had been in banking for about 10 years and then left and went to law school at the University of Florida. I got out practice law for a little bit, but but really at that point I wanted to start my own bank. So I so I started down that path and opened my first bank in 99 and there was i didn't really have any pretense of anything sustainable or environmental and in fact back then there really it really wasn't a thing but we sold that bank in 2006 and then i started first green bank which was my first bank with an esg focus and we opened in 09 it was an evolutionary process, certainly a journey. None of us really knew what what it meant to be a, a values-based bank. That term was just coined after we opened. And then, of course, ESG wasn't even termed in the common vernacular until about 2018. But we just, anything we could do to impact the world in a positive way, we, we kind of pursued, whether it was financial inclusion, social equity, racial equity, and then, of course, environmental stuff, because the environmental thing, the environment's been my game my whole life. Um, 
starting a bank doesn't seem like it would be as easy as say filing a DBA and saying we're open for business. So what what's the time investment and the timeline timeline for uh, f- founding a de novo bank? I actually used to be in the industry, so that's how I know that term. But <laughs> but yeah, well, very cool. <laughs> what's the? How would you describe that timeline? I'd like to. I, I want to convey my appreciation for you being an investor. It's a large. Uh, component of our investment community is 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 the is the community is the local community with Florida Central Florida community of of smaller investors. So I really really appreciate that. And you're correct. Starting a bank is very very difficult. It's it's highly regulated. There's a lot of moving parts. We are a state charter Florida state chartered bank with FDIC insurance. So we actually have two regulators: the state of Florida and the FDIC. But most importantly, it requires a very large amount of capital. Now, when I started my first bank, the requirement was five million dollars. When I started the second, it was fifteen million. Now they don't state a minimum, but it's pretty much impossible to to be a viable bank and get a charter if you if you don't raise at least twenty five million. So it's it's very capital intensive, and that's. That's one of the more difficult elements. But I've been working. We opened in June of, of 2021. So we just finished our first six months in, in business. But I worked all day, every day, full time for about 18 months prior to us opening to, to get it open. Wow, that's that actually seems kind of, in a way, faster than I would have expected for uh, something as, as serious as a bank. In, in some ways. It, it really probably is the the advantage being that I've done it twice before. Otherwise, you're right, it probably would have been more along the lines of a two, two and a half year project. Well, that's excellent. And what about selling a bank? How long does it take to sell a bank once you've built it up to scale since you've done that before? It, it's also... Yes, it's also a very protracted process, and it depends on what strategy you employ to to find a buyer to ultimately sell. And the two times I sold a bank, it was very, very different markets, very different buyers, very different multiples, which means the multiple of the book value of the bank is is just it changes all the time. So it, it it's a it's a protracted process. It's probably at least a year. Uh, from the time that somebody thinks, yes, it'd be smart to sell before you actually, before it's actually consummated. That's very interesting. And and on your mission, I actually recently had Ana Escamani on the show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her Florida state uh, representative. And she she's all just hello, Ana. She's also a strong advocate for the environment. And we were talking about the sort of the time scale of trying to fix climate change. Obviously, this is something that is is we would be challenged to solve completely in a single human lifetime. So I'm excited now because I've got an expert on the show. How do you think about time and climate change and sort of our individual contribution to to be able to impact change? Well, I... I tend to accuse myself of being a, a glass half empty guy. In actual application, maybe I'm I'm more glass half full. But 
this scares me and it's daunting and I'm not quite so sure we could pull it off. And like I said, it scares me because I have grandchildren and I just, I dread the day that my, one of my grandchildren says, grandpa, what was your generation thinking? You're the last generation that could have turned the ship. I think as far as your question about individual effort, we, we need to be every single one of us putting every bit of effort we can into it. And in this country, especially when at least 50% of the people being completely anathema to doing anything about climate change, I just don't know. I, I, I've committed my life to do everything I can, both corporately and personally to do something, but I'm just not sure. As a, and so kind of as a, as a personal note, one of the things I, I do quite religiously is recycle. However, as I learn more about recycling, obviously reduce is comes re, reduce and reuse comes before recycling, but you know, there's still things that you can recycle. But even then, when I learn about it, it's not all of the recycling makes it to the recycling center. It's very particular. It's a lot of time and energy for me and my family, but we try to do it properly. But then you sort of look around to your point and many people aren't doing it or anything that consumers are doing to try to be sustainable is they're often combating poor practices by corporations. So what, what advice would you have for an individual who's trying to impact change, make the best use of, your, of their time? Are there things that we're not thinking of that go you know, well beyond recycling that, that could you know, have a greater impact? I'll touch on things that, that we can all do, especially in America, um, some of which cost money and, and we all won't be able to do it. Some of them are certainly first world solutions, but then there's other things that every one of us could do every day. Probably the biggest, most impactful thing would be switching to a plant-based diet. And there's, of course, the organic premium and there's all the controversy around the organic standard since the Trump administration basically gutted everything that it meant and it hasn't been restored yet, but that's another topic for another day. But converting to a plant-based diet, it's better for the human organism, it's better for the planet, it's better for everything, but it's certainly better for all the animals that don't get killed, but that's probably the most impactful. The second thing would be transportation you get rid of the gas hog and whether it's buy a used prius or if you can afford a full ev is get get rid of the gas hog and the third thing is is your built environment if there's any way you can afford to upgrade the insulation upgrade the windows solar rooftop solar now is is cheaper than than any form of dirty energy and for instance, we'll finance 100% of the cost of putting solar on your roof. So all you have to do is have a good enough credit score that we can finance you. And it does, there's no money out of pocket and it instantly pays for itself. That's excellent. Is that a special? Those are probably the three. Is that a special program that, that you all have? We're, we're unique in, in, in having it, and as far as in, in the banking space, there's some fintech companies that offer 100% financing, but they're not really transparent with the fees. Their fees are really, really high. Ours are really, really low. But 
honestly, it's not a a money maker for us now. If we could get it to scale, it, it it can be, but we feel like it's an inherent part of our mission. We have to do it, uh, whether we make money or not. So, it, it is a standard product. When you said it is a, a special offering, it, it's our standard product, and we perfected it at First Green, but we never did enough volume. And our objective here at Climate First Bank is, is to get to the point where we're doing millions of dollars a month in, in solar rooftop residential solar. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for doing that. And thank you for the, the tips. I think those are, I really like that they're very practical, practical and also appreciate pointing out that there are cost, cost-effective alternatives if, if you do do some of these things. So that's, that's really uh, a good way for everyone to be able to participate in, in sustainability and try to combat this climate change issue. What's your, what's your go-to plant-based meal? What's your favorite one? My favorite is, oh, I mean, I've got so many that I, I really enjoy. And Cindy has become a phenomenal plant-based or vegan cook. I hate to say it, but it's probably um, vegan spaghetti with Beyond Meat. And, and <laughs> Beyond Meat is probably, it's one of those, it's one of those things that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's vegan, it's vegetarian, but it's probably not so healthy for you because it's like a giant chemistry experiment, but it, but it tastes good and, and, it, and it is, uh, <laughs> and it's a sustainable, and that's, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. I've had a couple, uh, beyond meat. I can't, I couldn't really, uh, some of those burgers, I could, I could not tell the difference once you put it in a bun and put all the toppings on it. <laughs> well, maybe we could take a little bit and, and pivot. I know that you're running fairly sizable organization, regional bank, but still lots of employees, lots of customers probably have a lot of meetings. So I'm just curious for, for our audience, they like to think about time in large scales, but they also like to think about daily routines. Do you have any daily routines that really help you kind of get started with the day or time management tips that you feel like you couldn't live without and, and save you a lot of time? Oh my gosh, Jock. Um, I don't know how old you are, but I think you're probably a millennial. Um, I'm a baby boomer and I've been using a paper day timer since 1979 and i have every month every year since 1979 so i can go back to any day and tell you what was on my to-do list what my schedule was probably a jog enough memory that i could tell you almost exactly what i did that day so for me to be suggesting a paper calendar especially in this day and age of sustainability may not be the, the most enticing tip i could offer but well, got, you, would, you uh, wouldn't be alone i, I do remember co-workers. I, I think bill gates or warren buffett also <laughs> use the paper calendar so you're certainly not alone uh in that yeah but they're they're old white guys just like me so i don't know if it's compelling to anybody younger but i, I do have some of my millennial co-workers and friends so they swear by them so that's that's my go-to no default time management tool and it it absolutely works it works for me i believe it works for everybody i also use an online calendar so my assistant and everybody else can can also coordinate easily which is a little bit of duplicative effort but it's it it works i will say in my mind if i have a, a paper planner i can probably flip through to dates 
that are farther in the future. I mean, digitally, of course, uh, you can't beat the the real timeness of the digital calendar. But when it comes to planning out in the future or looking back in the past, you could probably get to a previous date and a future date faster than I could with a digital calendar. So I think there's something to that. I didn't experience that. That's interesting. Really interesting you brought that up because being a younger tech guy, that's your space, that's your world. And and but I think you might be right. Yeah, it's uh it's I think I think I think we are onto something. So we'll we'll have our audience try it out and, and see what they think. Let me know how it works. Uh, Ken at KenLaray.com. <laughs> Perfect. Do you have anything that you'd like to share with the audience on current projects, ways that they can get in touch with you or support you, um, anything you want to share about initiatives at uh, Climate First Bank? We're working on the Net Zero Banking Alliance, which is a a UN-sponsored program. There's, I don't know, 98 banks have signed on or whatever. We're working on a a carbon calculator for our customers. So you go in, you can log into your Climate First Bank account or or our website then it'll tell you the carbon footprint of that purchase those are two big esg initiatives we're working on we've also hired a director of of, uh, diversity equity and inclusion to try to diversify our our workforce we are actively working on our our scope really, really actively working on our scope one emissions, but even trying to drill down to our scope two and three, which is very difficult considering, as you can imagine, how many customers we have and how many we're gaining all the time. It's pretty hard to track what somebody else's carbon footprint is, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But those are, the, so those are some of the ones that come to mind real quickly. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that. Thank you for being on the show. You know, look forward to having you come back sometime. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like the show and would like others to hear about it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one way other listeners find the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, life is how you choose to spend your time. Please use it wisely.